The Business of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Land Trust. Did you know sportsmen spend over $5 billion annually in hunter and angler access fees? Land Trust is a platform that connects sportsmen with farmers and ranchers like you who have untapped profits just by providing access to their land. Go to landtrust.com slash BOA, as in business of agriculture, to see how much you might add to your bottom line. Greetings and welcome to the Business of Agriculture, a podcast hosted by me, Damian Mason. So happy to have you joining us. Got a great program for you today because we're talking about stuff that you don't know or see much about. We're talking to the director of membership, a scientist actually, with 38 patents to his name. He's an agronomist and an entomologist, sort of all balled up. And he's also with the Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology. His name is Joe Ganolski. Joe, welcome to the Business of Agriculture. Thank you, Damien. Okay. Uh, we're going to get into this topic because people are like, what are we talking about? We're talking about adjuvants. We're talking about agrotechnology. We're talking about a bunch of stuff that is used in making our food crops that the average person in suburbia has no idea about. Even some people within the business of agriculture probably are like, what the hell is this stuff? So you're going to give us a whole bunch of information about stuff that they don't know anything about okay. that makes their food. Okay. That's what you're here to do, right? Let's go. Yeah. All right. Before we before we go, I want to remind you, dear listener, that you can check out the Business of Agriculture on any of the audio formats where you get your podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, or you can go on the Damian Mason channel on YouTube. That's right. Just go to YouTube, type in Damian Mason channel, and you'll come up and you can see all my stuff, my ag commentary, even my old comedy bits. You can see my uh, agricultural programs, my business programs, uh, and you can, of course, please hit subscribe. It will help the viewership of this podcast. This uh, episode of the Business of Agriculture is brought to you by a couple of sponsors. You heard about one in the intro. Now you're going to hear about another one. My buddies over at Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software that was developed by Nick Horeb, uh, an entrepreneurial guy that wanted to do good for the people of agriculture. He said, there's a need for this product. I think that these folks have millions of dollars of capital at risk in their industry. They've got inflows and outflows. They need a software solution that is tailored to their business. Go to harvestprofit.com for a free 14 day trial. Okay. Joe Ganolski, you've got patents. You're an agronomist. You also dabble in entomology. That's the bugs. And you also are now involved in your sort of semi-retirement job with the Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology. And that's a critical thing because the members that you have are very critical in making our food. But what the hell is it? What is the Council, the Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology? Well, this is an, an advocacy group for uh, the inert suppliers and the distributors in, uh, in agribusiness. So, so the inert supplier is a really unknown group that manufactures uh, surfactants and solvents and uh, dispersants uh, for all kinds of industries in the U.S. But the group we represent supplies these products to the basic manufacturers. These are the non-active surfactants, solvents, uh, dispersants that are in all of your crop protection products, your herbicides, insecticides, fungicides. Okay, so they, I know that there's uh, gonna be some, some more- 
there's going to be some customer that's an organic person and they're not going to like this. But the reality is 90 plus percent of all of the food crops in the United States of America are not organic and they do use, utilize insecticides, herbicides, fungicides to get more efficiencies, to get more product from the per acre, which is good for our uh, resource uh, utilization, et cetera. And so these folks are saying, well, wait a minute, they put these herbicides on, but what's this stuff you're talking about? Tell them what this Mm -hmm. stuff does. So the person who doesn't understand, let's explain the chemistry and then explain what the stuff you're talking about does and and why it's good for consumers. From the simple standpoint, most of many, many of these same ingredients are used in uh, home care products, laundry detergents, your soaps, your, your, uh, your, uh, all of your cleaners and household materials. You'll, if you look closely at some of the ingredients, you'll find them on your shampoo. Uh, and, and, and what they are is, is basically non-active ingredients that, that make things work. That's the big thing. Like you talked about yeah. stuff that the average person doesn't know about. You said the word surfactant. So I want to go out and spray this field to make sure that there's no weeds in it. And that way I get more utilization of the resource and I get more crop Mm -hmm. per acre and that's good for the environment and that's good for everybody. But Mm -hmm. what's surfactant do within that herbicide? Well, so as the name would imply, it's, it's simply reducing the surface tension of the, of the spray droplet. So, so even with the surfactants that are in a, a herbicide, for example, it'll reduce the surface tension and spread it over, uh, over the leaf surface better. So it gets better contact with the leaf. It helps stick there. Uh, and so generally speaking, without the tank mix adjuvants or the, the surfactants and such in the herbicides, their use rate would be tremendously high. Okay. And, so, and I mean, that's one of the things that they don't realize is that it does reduce the amount of active that are used in all of these crop protection products by being able to make them more efficient. Yeah. So the stuff that your membership makes or distributes or sells mm-hmm. makes yep. makes mm-hmm. product work better, makes chemistry work better. Is Correct. that what I'm hearing? Mm-hmm. Okay. And some mm-hmm. of your later questions, even, uh, you know, there was a very, a very large herbicide that came out in the yeah, in the early 80s in corn, and it worked very, very well. Uh, and a researcher up at uh, North Dakota State discovered that, that methylated seed oils would make a lot of herbicides work better. Uh, had that herbicide come out three years later when they had access to this, its use rate would have been half what it was. And, and essentially, farmers adjusted to that when they were able to use that new adjuvant system uh, and used half the herbicide to get the same kind of weed control. So All right, Joe, that's what a lot of these things do. Yeah, they make the stuff more uh, work. work better, more efficient, and so yeah, you can use absolutely. less. Yeah. And you can use Correct. less of it. Joe, you're kind Correct. of a you're kind of a scientist, and I say kind of because you're completely mm-hmm. a scientist. But you're doing that thing. You've used the word adjuvant a half dozen yep. times. I want you to imagine yep. that somebody listening to this podcast works in the food processing business, and they're saying, "What the hell is an adjuvant?" Tell them. Okay, okay. So an, an adjuvant is an over encompassing term for a group of of materials that are used in tank mix with herbicides, insecticides, and fungicides. 
So they may be a surfactant, like I talked about, to reduce the surface tension and spread it out more. It may be a, uh, a drift reduction agent. That's another adjuvant that by utilizing it, it, it helps you create a lot less really fine droplets that are going to blow off, off target. Stop, 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 stop. Yep. Explain that to a person that is not an agriculturally oriented person or works in a different thing. Drift okay. reduction. Why that? I know okay. why it matters, but my listener may not. Yep. Why would that matter? So, so uh, whenever you spray anything, a lot of people, a lot of homeowners, certainly they may spray their own lawns and such. And almost inevitably, even with the little pump up sprayer and they go spray that around the, uh, around the yard what they're gonna see is even those, especially when you put a lot of pressure on it, you see a little bit of mist come off of uh, while you're spraying it. So for a homeowner that does his own spraying and stuff, or, or a lot of even in the country when you're driving through the field in the, in the summer or driving out in the country and you see a big sprayer go by, inevitably often you will see kind of a fog up behind that. Yeah. What drift reduction adjuvants do is help take away a significant number of those small droplets, combine them into larger droplets, and so you get better coverage and better performance of your products. Drift reduction is a huge advantage uh, to the U.S. consumers, to the growers. They're using less herbicides, they're wasting less. By putting them together with the right spray tip and doing everything right, uh, you can get drift down to virtually nothing. Which means then also that it's not drifting over into a neighboring property and causing damage to some other crop. Some other, somebody else's crop or, or grandma's tomatoes and all of those things. So it's a, it's a, it's a focus of this group is to try and help that. Been working on it for over 25 years. That's one of your specialties, according to the yep. research I read about yep. you. Mm -hmm. So the st stuff that your people make, that your the folks, the industry that your people are in, yep. uh, mm -hmm. surfactants that we just said makes the product stickier, makes it makes it spread to a plant right. better, so you can mm -hmm. use less active chemical and mm -hmm. because of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So the, the drift reduction is another component. Yeah. Tell me some yeah. other applications of. Well, adjuvant. some others would be crop oil crop oil concentrates, and those are, are oil-based adjuvant systems. So you're mixing oil and water, so you have to have a emulsifier or surfactant system to do that. That will help those herbicides penetrate the leaf surface of the weeds better. So again, you're getting more herbicide into the right plant, uh, and it's performing at, a, at a, a lower use rate than it would be if they did not use those penetrating adjuvant systems. If we didn't have adjuvants, if this is this little microcosm of the industry that uh, most people don't even know much about, if we didn't have these products that your people make, we would just be using more uh, of the active ingredient is what I'm hearing. Inevitably, you would have to use higher use rates of the active ingredient. Which is bad for the environment. There, well, yes. I mean, if you consider the chemicals to be bad, now, again, they're tested better than almost anything in the world. But still, it's just, I mean, it's the right thing to do is to use the least possible in everything, in everything we do. And the <laughs> well, systems greatly help that. 
Well, certainly I am not saying that chemicals are bad. No, I think as, as I tell everybody, yeah. Joe, uh, these people say, well, I just think it's terrible. They spray those, those crops with uh, chemicals. <laughs> and I say, you know what? Come out here in July and I'm going to give you a hoe and I'm going to start you off on the, on the end of the row here. And you're going to mm-hmm. go out and we won't spray that. We won't spray the soybean field and you're going to cut every weed and every stick of volunteer corn mm-hmm. out of that soybean field. And by the time you're down the other end of that row, you're going to love chemicals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're going to love herbicide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, your members. So do I know these names? I mean, when I think of chemical companies, I think of, you know, BASF or uh, Syngenta mm-hmm. or uh, it was Corteva. Um, do I know your chemical names? Yeah, you would. You might recognize the some of the larger chemical. Uh, these inert suppliers would be Step and Solve. Uh, Dow Chemical is a very big in the inert supply business. Okay. So that in the U.S. that would be a very recognizable name. Dupont used to be in this business, sure. and now of course they combined with Dow to make uh, Corteva. But, but again, uh, and you've got many international and U.S. companies that are major inert suppliers that service not only this ag industry, but also the home care market, personal care market, cosmetic industry, oil fields, and all those that they, they service all of those industries with yeah, so, very similar chemistries. Yeah, so the chemistry you're talking about is not only used to, to uh, spray crop fields, but it's also used, like you said, in a whole range of stuff that even the consumer mm-hmm. has in their house because it's the same yeah. thing. It makes the it makes a cleaning agent in your home work Absolutely. better. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Agrotechnology, it's a neat word. It's in the name of the association that you work for. Uh, but it's more than just these things. When I say agrotechnology, an average person says, oh, what, what, robots? Well, it could be. What are we talking about for you, from your perspective? Well, I mean, uh, as you as you get down to our, our district, now certainly inert suppliers are creating technology, like the, the one I talked about that helped reduce the herbicide rates, the new drift products that are reducing drift better. Those are new technologies. Uh, but when you get down to the distribution level, most of the, the companies there are, are very close to the U.S. grower and they're working on precision ag areas. They're working on, you know, they're, they're working with companies that are, are looking at robots and, and such. They're looking at companies that are using drones in this technology. Uh, and so they, they are into other technologies. Some of the wind tunnel technologies that we developed at my uh, former company, uh, you know, we've created uh, three wind tunnels while I was there. So what's the purpose? What's the, what, wait a minute, wait. So, so the average person saying, hey, wait a minute, I get corn, soybeans, wheat, grain, sorghum, sunflowers, cotton, canola. I get all this stuff. What the hell's a wind tunnel got to do with that? Well, the, uh, the major players that are looking at reducing drift uh, have, have developed wind tunnels to help them assess these materials. Uh, so uh, early on, or not early, midway through my career when uh, uh, one of the first wind tunnels at Wooster, Ohio, that Ohio State has was starting to look at spray drift. And it was destroyed by a, by a tornado, uh, and and uh, University of Nebraska stepped up, and, and and along with several industry players, helped build a wind tunnel at the University of Nebraska in North Platte to help evaluate spray draft. And they worked a lot with the EPA on programs to help reduce reduce drift. Uh, 
And now we have most of our of these basic manufacturers have some kind of a wind tunnel or spray chamber in their facilities. Uh, Winfield United that I used to work for has, has two uh, uh, wind tunnels that they, they developed to help look at this. University of Minnesota now has one of the old Winfield ones, Battelle. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of testing. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on that people like mm-hmm. you, that there's scientists doing this stuff. What's something that you see being a, a guy with 38 patents that's mostly been in this <laughs> thing about adjuvants? What do you see that when work with every day that the average person, even in agriculture, doesn't even quite see? Well, I think, you know, that, that's why I think what's so, so intriguing to me is the ability when you can look at things scientifically closely, uh, like spray drift and really work on them and look at how can I how can I change what's happening today? And the normal U.S. grower probably doesn't even realize the advancements they've seen in spray nozzles and in drift reduction products that have, that have tremendously reduced herbicide drift because of these wind tunnels that were developed. They kind of go unknown to the average producer, mm-hmm. uh, but they're getting technologies that, that just making their, uh, making their jobs easier that have come out a lot of these uh, facilities. Okay. Um, if I tune into Dr. Oz, you know, the, 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 the mm-hmm. track on TV, yep. uh, GMOs yep. are bad. He doesn't even know what a GMO is. When I, when I first yep. saw his whole thing, he kept saying they spray these GMOs on our food. And I'm like, GMOs is not a product you spray, you dumbass. GMO is a technology. It's like saying we're spray, we're spraying, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're spraying this technology. Like, no, 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 no. But anyway, um, are we going to get to where we don't need to use chemicals? Is genetically engineered technology going to make it so that we can produce a, a food crop that doesn't even need herbicide or insecticide or fungicide? Well, I mean, I, I think that's probably the long-term goal. Certainly, uh, certainly the people that started them would, would hope to get there at some point. Uh, but I think we've got a lot of other smart people working on things that may get there in other ways, too. Uh, time and money, Damien, is, is probably what it, what it, what it amounts to. And, and do you, uh, do you have enough money and will we take enough time to be able to, to do that? And I think probably not in you and I's lifetime, but I, I, I'm hoping that our grandchildren will see the day when that, that's, that's possible. Uh, Uh, everything takes time and money. To the, person, to the person listening to this, Joe just said, not in our lifetime, as though he and I are the same age. And if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, you should probably notice that he's considerably older than me. He's in his semi-retirement right now, although, yeah, yeah, although, yeah. although, I, although I feel like it sometimes. I feel similar. <laughs> I'm betting on my granddaughter seeing it. How about that? That's, That's <laughs> fantastic. Hey, Joe, uh, politically, we've got this thing, and it's right now we're at a fever pitch. You know, we've got essentially the Green New Deal barreling toward yep. us with mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. Biden Harris Obama administration. We've got, yep. um, mm-hmm. uh, yep. mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of movement about all this. They want to change agriculture. Now, if it's just, we want to mm-hmm. give you money to sequester carbon, that's cool. All right. We'll plant some cover crops, but what if they take mm-hmm. away our technology? Is that a concern or they take away our, our ability to treat weeds or take away our ability to spray fungicide? Is that day coming? Well, you know, I hope not. I think, uh, you know, we're not too far away from Easter. 
And uh, but uh, the, what is the saying? Uh, that, uh, Forgive them, Lord; they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, like you say, I don't think their goal is is bad. But again, we don't have we do not have the capability of feeding the world if we immediately enact some of these changes. And that's that's the real that's the real risk. Uh, and, and I think that's what, uh, common sense we hope will prevail before they get too far down that road, because again, we're just not ready for that yet. Not saying we don't get there. You just, certainly not ready. You just put common sense in a question that was about political movements in the United yeah, States. Yeah, well, I know that's, that's, I should know better, shouldn't I? I'm old enough yeah, to know. Should. Hey, I want to remind our listeners, you got Joe Ganolski here with the Council of, good God, I got to look it up again, Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology. I had to look it up, and we call it CPDA. And the reason I had him on here is because I think it's a fascinating sort of uh, unseen aspect of the world's most important industry being agriculture. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to tell you that uh, the exciting news on May 12th, I'm going to be in Charleston, South Carolina, doing a presentation to the conference for CPDA. That's right. They're going back to live meetings. Their membership said, by golly, we want to get back to having face-to-face meetings where we can shake hands, go and have a drink afterwards and talk shop. So Mm -hmm. on May 12th, I'll be in Charleston for the CPDA meeting. That's one of two live events in addition to a couple of virtual ones I'm doing in Mm -hmm. May. So uh, anyway, if uh, if you're in the CPDA, Please, uh, please, you know what? Come and join it, Joe and I there in Charleston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe, we're going to ask you several more questions. And yeah. uh, one of them is going to be about the regulatory environment because you're an old seasoned mm-hmm. veteran. Mm-hmm. But before I ask you about the regulatory environment, I want to remind our listeners that Harvest Profit is a software solution made for agriculture. It's made for the people that are working in the world's most important industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's specific to your industry. It under- You can manage by farms by by acre by asset class by expenditure by customer you can do all kinds of neat crap go to harvestprofit.com and see if there's a product there that can help your agricultural enterprise be what it's supposed to be profitable okay joe ganalski will we get regulated out of business is the question will we get regulated out of business and and or will it not be regulation i've pointed out it'll be litigation because when when you've got groups that want you to not exist then they fuse with groups that profit from your existence through litigation. Environmental Working Group wants the ag chemistry sector to not exist. They team up with uh, trial lawyers. Trial lawyers then get uh, $11 billion uh, from Bayer, really is what happened there. Is that going to be the trend? Well, I think the litigation worries more of us in the ag industry than the other uh, because you can you can fight back and it's always a money issue and, and I think it's just going to be a long term uh, ongoing battle that the industry is going to have to continue to fight and and again if the uh, if the science uh, you know the EPA looks at this these chemistries very very well and there you know there aren't any bad people in the EPA a lot of people criticize them but you know what they're just good hardworking people and they look at the science and they're and they approve these things through the science and they get litigated a whole lot too, uh, but they've prevailed. And I, I think as long as, as we can keep that functioning uh, EPA, that there is significant trust in, I think our, our chemistries can survive uh, longer. And, and I think that, you know, like I say, it's a, it's a, it's just going to be an ongoing battle. Uh, 
but we need people to step up and, and show the importance of until we can find these alternate ways of controlling weeds, insects, and diseases. Uh, we just have to have these chemistries protected. So. Regenerative agriculture is a word that is very, very popular now. And, uh, and I, I got to be honest, I didn't even, I had never even heard of regenerative agriculture until uh, maybe a year and a half ago. And I picked up Gabe Brown's book and I started seeing it more and more. And there's a lot of um, the, the tree hugger types that are calling for it. I'm not sure they even completely understand it. Is regenerative agriculture the future? And also, it doesn't mean no chemistry because they can both sort of work together in, in somewhat of a fashion. Am I right? No. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, like I say, I think that's, again, if, you, if we can continue to find smart people in this ag industry to, again, most of the people that are fighting these things aren't bad people either. They just don't understand the science and that, and, and, and we just have to keep striving. It's not, it's not an easy battle. Uh, we just have to continue to recruit smart young people into this ag industry that, that have a passion and an understanding that we got to feed the world. And this is what we've got to do today to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the real secret is until we can find a better way, uh, this is the, this is what we have to do, uh, or otherwise, again, uh, the wealthy will always get food. It's still the uh, it's still the poorer populations that U.S. ag economy supports with low cost food. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, cover crops. I've said that we are going to look back someday at all of this tillage that we do and the way that we would now look back and say, can you believe you'd go to the medicine man back a few hundred years ago and they would stick leeches on you? That's how we're going to look at all of this tillage. I think that we are over tilling and harming soil structure uh, and, mm -hmm. and creating our opening up our land. If you said, Hey, what's your most valuable asset farmer? That farmland right up there. Oh, it's worth eight thousand dollars an acre. Yeah, you know, beautiful Illinois prairie. Yeah. Well, why then do you go out and plow it up and leave it exposed to the wind, water, and and elements mm -hmm. from October yeah, until absolutely. again in May? Yeah. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I agree with you, and you know, uh, again, we've just got to learn the science better around cover crops and how to manage them, and, and we haven't done. I mean, we've we've greatly handicapped our our land grant universities in, in dollar support and stuff that can really help us uh, in in this. And 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 again, I, I think there that's our opportunity is if if we're going to spend money reinvesting, do we in, reinvest in a new uh, land grant universities to help look at this, or is this an industry job? to uh figure well, which out one how is to which, which one is it the taxpayer might yeah. sit there and say why is it why am i giving money to yeah. purdue to do work on cover crops when yeah. uh, you know mm -hmm. bayer ought to do that what's yeah. your thought? well again I, uh, the, the problem with cover crops is there's not substantial money in it right for the people that are doing it right. and that's why that's why i think it still takes on those kind of things it still takes land grant university because there's not a lot of money in it for the person doing it. Now the U.S. grower can benefit from it, but somebody's got to tell him how to do it right. That's the secret. Somebody's got to tell him how to do this successfully. That helps me uh, protect my soil, which he, I think he understands that. Uh, 
Yeah. But how do I, how do I grow more corn? How do I grow more beans? Yeah. It comes down to, it comes down to, it can't just be, unfortunately, it can't just be about the protection of the asset because then the person will say, what about current income? You know, there's, there's that. You've been around ag your entire career and you've had a, a distinguished long ag career. What, what do you what what concerns you and what excites you? You've talked about a few things. Do you think land grant universities need more more funding to continue to do our evolution? Yeah. You think that uh, you think that there's a, a litigation concern to the necessary products we use to make our food. Yeah. Uh, you concern yourself a little bit about the possible rise in food prices, mm-hmm. which would happen if technologies are removed from us, which doesn't hurt you and me because we're not poor people. Uh, it does mm-hmm. you know, food food rises food price rises always exponentially harm the poorest among us. And I'm not just talking about on the wrong side of the tracks here in the United States. I'm talking about poorer countries. Uh, what else concerns you and what excites you? Well, like I say, I, I think that political and legal pressure is a great, great concern. Uh, but what's, you know, uh, there's a lot of important jobs in ag. Uh, and, and I think that excites me. I think there's some real opportunities for young people that want to get into this, that'll really dig into the science uh, and that's what those weed science society, animological society, the, 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 the people, if you go to some of their meetings and see the young students that are digging into the new things, how to other ways to control weeds and insects, you know, that truly excites you when you see that you've got young, smart people that want to make a difference long term. So that's, that's exciting. And, and really, all of, you know, like I say, I think uh, egg is a passion. And I think if you've got the, uh, the passion for doing these things in ag, really not work. I mean, uh, you and I, I think both in, enjoy what we're doing, what we did our entire career. Uh, and, and you really don't look at it. It wasn't that hard work because uh, <laughs> you enjoyed what you were doing. Every day. There were some days. Uh, I always had the saying, I tell everybody, I had fun every day at work. It was rarely fun all day. I would say that uh, when when people say this, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I'm like, oh, come on. That's bullshit. I mean, yeah, I like I like I've been piloting my own enterprise for 27 mm-hmm. years. But if you think that that's not sometimes stressful, you know, I would say about this business, about anybody that runs their own business. Uh, there's a month where you've got $70,000 of accounts receivable and you're not even worried about it. And then there's another month in your career or even that same year yeah. where, where the neighbor owes you $70 and you're like, wait, where, where's that money? I, I need that money. You know, so yeah. your, your, your cash flow and your ups and your downs from a cash yeah. standpoint, but there's also things that you don't enjoy. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's things that you don't enjoy about your work. Maybe it's the travel. Maybe it's the dealing with yep. certain customers. And there's always something about that. But I agree with it. I still get excited about agriculture. I was at the FFA, um, Wyoming FFA banquet last um, month. I stood in front of those uh, 900 kids that I saw all just stand and put their hand on their heart and uh, for the Star Spangled Banner. And I saw yep. them uh, involved with their teachers. And their, some of their parents were there to recognize them for their participation in a speech contest mm-hmm. or in livestock judging or in a soils and agronomy uh, 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 club projects. And it did me good to see all that. And I think that's something that we get excited about, about agriculture. Uh, we probably didn't cover a couple of things. 
38 pens. You've, you're in the entomological society of America. There's people that don't even know what that is. What's the entomological, entomological society of America? We look at insects uh -huh. of all shapes and forms. Uh -huh. I only, uh, and that's the problem with being an entomologist is everybody asks you what bug this is. And I said, well, I only uh, focused on the uh, about 150 that are a problem in uh, corn, soybeans, and wheat. So, so I don't know many other bugs. Yeah. Uh, you know, you I, know uh, 150 bugs very, very intimately because you're concerned about how they are trying to eat our food before we get it. But then if I bring you right. some, some rare mm -hmm. insect, you're going to say, oh, no. Yeah, but the other 100 million, I don't know much about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do we, we not cover that we needed to? You know, we're talking about the, the, the adjuvants business, agrotechnology. Mm -hmm. You guys are out there doing stuff that, again, yeah. seriously, nobody sees it. Uh, you know, yeah. You're doing stuff that most people don't see, but it's very important for us, for our environment, and for our food productivity. What do, you, what do we not cover that we need to? Well, I think, I think the thing I'd sum up with is, is the ingredients that we're adding in these, they are all looked at by the EPA also. Yeah. Uh, they're not regulated in a lot of states. That is a problem. But they're still looked at by the EPA and say, hey, these, we've, we've run these through the battery of tests and what we're putting in here uh, are, are not uh, substantially different uh, at risk to you. And, and the same things that you're probably uh, putting on your child's hair is probably the same thing that I'm putting in and in a spray adjuvant that's getting put on millions of acres. And, uh, and you don't think about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, and I think that's really some, our, our adjuvant industry is, uh, is important. It's important to lower the cost of food. It's important to reduce the amount of, of pesticides that are applied to crops. And, and, and I, and I say, I think the, U.S. farmer is uh, in world food production is in good hands with the the way that the EPA and the regulatory industries are looking at uh, at how we're doing it. Is the and I, I agree. And so uh, I, I explain to people when they talk about the old days, and I say, you know, I'm 51. I, I've been around this since I was a little kid, mm -hmm. and uh, this idea that somehow we're doing things that's worse for the environment than it was. I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah, let me take well, you back to the old days. We're we're pretty darn judicious about uh, the utilization of antibiotics, or and, and where where we put our yeah. manure and how we uh, handle our chemistry. I is it as good as it's ever been in your 70 some years. Oh, it's from a safety and a standpoint in food production. It's, it's as good as it's better than it's ever been. I, it, I, it, I, it's yeah. So the use of the products we use to make our food is more, more scrutinized and more judiciously applied than it's ever been. Uh, and, and I agree with that. So, uh, and it's going to keep getting that way. And an adjuvant, one, uh, go back in history, uh, an adjuvant we were working on in development uh, to be sprayed on crops. Uh, we were all ready to go, found out wasn't totally approved yet by the EPA. And its uh, largest use at that time uh, was for Mary Kay Cosmetics. <laughs> So, so a product that we weren't allowed to spray on. Uh, so it was, it was very light. It was very likely going in lipstick, uh, and we couldn't use it on food crops because it hadn't been approved yet. And, and that's that, how things are looked at. And I think that's my best example of of how we overlook the safety factors that that putting put on these things. Yeah. 
That's good stuff right there. His name is Joe Ganalski. He's a member of the Council of Producers and Distributors of Agrotechnology. My client will be delivering a speaking engagement to them on May 12th in Charleston, South Carolina. If you're a member of the CPDA, be, be sure to be there. You can pick up a copy of my book, Food Fear, uh, all about the past, present, and future of agriculture. Uh, and you can also uh, listen to all of my interesting insights and outlook for the uh, marketplace and the business of agriculture. Uh, this episode brought to you by my buddies at Harvest Profit. Harvest Profit is a software solution for your agricultural enterprise. Go to harvestprofit.com for a free 14-day trial. They will set you up. And while you're on that wonderful website, harvestprofit.com, check out the articles that have been pinned by Nick Horb. He goes through uh, and puts out articles about, uh, you know, short little reads, a few hundred words about uh, business and, and things that, you know, uh, observations on growing your business. And it's it's good because it'll make you think about your, your own industry your own business from a different perspective. Joe, thanks for being on here. Damien, thank you. We'll see you in about two weeks. Thank, thank you, you for much. educating people on this uh, on this topic of adjuvants because you know what? There's all this technology that's being utilized out here in the fields of North America that people just drive by and have no idea, and you're part of that. So thank you very Good. much. Thank you much. You bet. So until next time, it's the business of agriculture. Thank you for tuning into the Business of Agriculture podcast sponsored by Land Trust. Land Trust partners with farmers and ranchers to capture pure profit from sportsmen seeking new experiences and places to hunt and fish. Land Trust built the platform and does the marketing. You maintain 100% control of access and activities, and you set the rules. There's no cost or obligation when you list, and the next 10 Business of Agriculture listeners who go to landtrust.com/boa are eligible for a gift worth over $2,000.